And welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. We do this thing every Monday. A look back at the week that was and a look forward at the week that will be for the Orlando Magic. 2-1 and one over the holidays last week. Wins over Chicago and Philadelphia. A loss Saturday in Milwaukee. And this week, it's the Hawks tonight uh, without Trey Young at Amway Center. And then it'll be on Wednesday, the Washington Wizards up in D.C. And then home for a tough back-to-back Friday and Saturday Back at Amway Center, the Jazz Saturday night. That's Star Wars night, by the way. But the hottest team in the league comes a-calling on Friday night. The Miami Heat have won five straight. They're 24-8 and eight now on the year. Bam Adebayo looks like an all-star. Tyler Hero, uh, Kendrick Nunn, both enjoying dynamic rookie seasons. And to shed a little light on that team, and just to catch up with one of my guys, Duncan Smith joins me today on Magic Weekly. He covers the Heat for fan-sided, the NBA for the basketball writers, the Pistons for Forbes, and he's an old buddy of mine. Hello, Duncan. Hey, Jake. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to catch up. Uh, you can follow Duncan on Twitter at DuncanSmithNBA. And will you just break down like how you spend your time now? Like You're fully credentialed for the Pistons. You're covering the – you always seem like you have a secondary team. Like You want to make sure you've got so, – you know you were covering the Rockets there for a couple years. You're doing some work covering the Heat now. Um, you are one of the foremost members of NBA Twitter, so you always make sure you have your tentacles in the rest of the league as well. How do you divvy up your time, Duncan Smith? Uh, it's difficult. Usually the Pistons get precedence. Like if, if they're both playing at the same time, I will watch the Pistons in real time. I'll catch up with the Heat later. Um, and actually, like I, I kind of feel as though just having like two teams that I'm um, sort of chunking off away from the rest of the league just – by virtue of the teams that they play, I get a fairly decent idea of what's going on around the league, and I think that sort of uh, feeds my my outside non-team specific coverage. Um, so I don't think that I have a dent with science, and I <laughs> could probably improve in a few ways of uh, dividing my time up among the teams. But that's kind of my uh, my basic approach, at least. And sometimes it works, and sometimes I have to scramble and catch up, but. So far, so good. Well, so far, so good. Uh, yeah, you're just like any of us. And no, you're right. I think you. I, I think no matter what. I mean, I noticed it when I was away from the Pistons in the what the year and a half that I was in Cleveland. If you're not, you know, if you're not locked into one team, and if you're just sort of trying to be a general fan, I think you. I think you lose it. You only get like the top sort of storylines. Um, Jonathan Isaac's a perfect example. Like somebody who doesn't cover the league or cover one team specifically has no idea who Jonathan Isaac is or or what it is he's doing defensively this year because Lord knows, uh, you know, the ESPNs of the world aren't going to report on anything like that. They don't really like reporting on basketball in general. They just like reporting on players who should leave their uh, Midwestern market. But that's another story for another day. Um, but no, I think it's I. I love the idea of of being entrenched with one team and maybe two because I think you get a better sense um, when teams come in and, and and you can talk to other beat writers um, and other reporters of of what teams are. I don't know a ton about the Heat though, and for a team that's in our division, they're twenty four and eight, and um, they're certainly one of the surprises of of the league early on this year. You know, you look at it and you say, okay, Eric Spolster is a great coach. Everything's working out currently with Jimmy Butler and, and, and kind of the hierarchy there. But there are some young players there who are playing just outstanding basketball right now. And I guess Bam Adebayo is the first one to talk about. Will you just tell me about the leap that he's made so far this year? It's been really incredible. Um, he has, I think he's really uh, justified Eric Spolster's faith in him a year ago. Uh uh, Hassan Whiteside had uh, some recurring injury issues. 
Adebayo got slotted into that starting center role. And I think it was right, right around the, uh, the all-star break. And um, I think that he has shown a whole lot of things that maybe he wasn't even projected to be able to do already. Um, he, he's, I myself am just kind of like catching up on how incredibly good and how much, how far ahead of schedule he is. Um, but some of the, um, the court sense he has as a playmaker is, is really incredible. Um, he has a lot of facets that, that a young big man, he's, looking at a uh, basketball reference page just to make sure of this. Like, he's 22 years old. Um, and uh, yeah, his, his impact has been, uh, has been incredible uh, for, for a guy who's really in his first full season as, uh, as a starting center in the NBA. I suppose power forward, um, I guess is probably more specific because uh, with the, the way to, Roster has broken down Myers Leonard to start in the center, but starting big, we can we can be that specific at least. Duncan, I remember when when I was with the Pistons, um, the year he was coming out, they Stan used to let us interview all the guys they brought in for pre-draft workouts, and the one thing I knew about Bam Adebayo when I saw him and when we talked to him for a little bit was. Uh, he's not going to get beat up early on in his career because the guy is built was built like an NBA big power forward center, whatever you want to call him, uh, back when he was 19 years old. So physically, it's all been there. It feels like it's kind of clicking for him um, just in terms of playmaking. And, and maybe it's just one of those things where he's a smart young center, but for big men, it takes a while to kind of get your bearings and get used to exactly what it is your head coach wants to do. Do you think for him this was going to happen no matter what, or does it, does it have to do with you know having Myers Leonard next to him and some of the personnel they have in place? I think some of it was going to happen. Um, I, I know I can't be positive about this or to what extent, uh, because I don't know that we can really quantify how much impact a coach has. But um, when you look at the leaps that the young players on this, this team have had this year in particular, uh, it, it does seem as though maybe Spolstra is the common link among them all. So, um, and I, I also know that he worked with, uh, with Giannis and he worked with Chris Bosch this summer. So, it seems as though maybe like there's this like perfect storm of education over the past, you know, the past year or so. Um, and, you know, if you give a physically capable, smart, athletic kid like Adebayo, all these resources, um, it, it probably has to click, you know. What does it feel like Jimmy Butler's impact has been? Because I think you're right. Like, I think young players, you know, look at Duncan Robinson as well. Um, obviously, the rookies, I think Spolstra... It has been one of the best coaches in the league, continues to be one of the best coaches in the league, and probably still isn't getting enough credit for all of that. Um, but then you, you throw in the Jimmy Butler wrinkle, and it feels like it, it, it's been a good fit so far, and I'm sure you know people are waiting for the other shoe to drop at some point. But what do you make of Jimmy Butler's impact so far on the rest of the roster? And I guess just kind of his mental makeup. Um, it, it, it feels like everything's good right now. And when you're 24 and 8 and 15 and 1 at home, typically everything is good. Yeah. You know, I think as long as the winning keeps going, I think that everything is going to be fine. Uh, I think that, you know, I personally think that heat culture is a term that gets thrown around a little too much, yeah. probably way too much. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a trope. But. Um, at the same time, like so much as it exists, it really jibes with, uh, with Jimmy Butler's whole makeup, you know? So I think from that perspective, the fit is really, really good. Um, it seems as though, uh, the young guys have, have really taken to him and vice versa, which is not always the case with Jimmy. 
Um, so, you know, the fact that right off the bat, like he's taking Tyler Harrow under his, under his wing and, um, and they get along and, and they click and like off the floor, off the floor and on it, I think, um, it's, it seems as though that has probably played some role. Um, then there's the fact that Jimmy is probably like a, at least like a top 20 player. Um, so just from a talent and an impact perspective, that's been tremendous as well. Um, it would be nice, I think, for uh, for Heat fans if the offense could come around. Like he's got, he's averaging twenty points per game. Um, he's making a ton of free throws, uh, but he's shooting like forty two percent from the floor and twenty seven percent from three. And at a certain point, when the schedule gets tougher and they spend a little more time on the road, um, at a certain point, you don't want Jimmy Butler to be like a weakness offensively. Um, you know, he he impacts games in a lot of different ways without the ball in his hands, without scoring. Um, but at a certain point, you know, there's there's going to be a price to pay against Milwaukee in a playoff say if, if Jimmy Butler is still shooting 40% from the floor and, you know, 25% from three, uh, it's, it's definitely something that's going to sort of put a cap on their ceiling. I think. I think that's an interesting transition because I wanted to get into this with you. So, you know, they, they win the crazy game the other night in overtime against Philadelphia and you mentioned Milwaukee. And I think those are probably uh, everybody's assumptions as the top two teams in the Eastern conference. You can throw Boston, maybe Toronto in there as well. But when you think about the Heat this season and the potential to actually do something special this season, and then you think about the trade market heating up here and kind of the pieces they have in place, especially those young guys we mentioned, Bam, uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn's been outstanding, Robinson, Hero, Derek Jones Jr. Even when you when you look at like where they are right now, how active do you think they'll be in in the next month or so until the trade deadline, the next six weeks, I should say. And then, like, is it, will it be one of those things where, yeah, we'll move on from Goran Dragic right now um, because we think we have our pieces in place moving forward? Do you think they'll do something that maybe would sort of bolster things and try to make a run at it this year? Or are they going to kind of let it simmer and hope that the young guys continue to get better around Jimmy and you have a little bit more of a sustainable long-term window for, for big-time success? I keep going back and forth on that because I do think that a trade could put them over the edge um, this season. Um, but at the same time, any trade they make has to be made with uh, with the summer of 2021 in mind because Giannis becomes a free agent, all the big guys become free agents, and the Miami Heat are probably one of the three or four teams that can actually recruit basically anybody uh, in the NBA. Um, and so making sure that the books stay as clean as possible for – uh, for that summer is, is a priority. So, you know, taking on, like, making a trade for Chris Paul, for example, like, it makes them better this year, almost certainly, I think. Um, but you also don't necessarily want to uh, to deny yourself a shot at Giannis simply because uh, you wanted to upgrade the point guard position in 2019 um, with a point guard who's, what is he going to be, 37, 38 in the 2021 season? Um, you know, it, they really have an an interesting decision between the future and the present, I think, when it, when it comes to making trades. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some some marginal ones that they can make that can improve themselves now that will not necessarily take them off the market down the road. Um, but I think first and foremost, that's the filter they need to run all their decisions through. Yeah, God, that's going to be fascinating. Um, I mean, that, and that's not even... You know, most teams don't have the option of like, yeah, should we go for it right now? And then they have to keep in the back of their head, yeah, we might have a chance at uh, all of the top free agents coming up 
uh, two summers from now. I'm talking to Duncan Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA. What do you know about the Magic? Have you? I, I mean, obviously the Magic have been flying kind of under the radar. They're 14 and 18 so far this year. Um, I, I just got done talking to Josh Robbins, who does such a great job covering. Uh, the magic for the athletic, and we were talking a little bit about whether or not the media are picking up on what Jonathan Isaac specifically is doing defensively so far this year. And he was like, "To be honest with you, I don't." He's like, "I know scouts are noticing what Jonathan Isaac is doing defensively, um, but the media doesn't seem like they have too great of an idea of it, largely because the Magic don't play games on national television, and the only time members of the media get a chance to see J.I. is when the Magic are in town uh, or when they're visiting Orlando. Uh, what do you make of the Magic so far this year, and specifically Isaac? And then I guess you know part two of that is Markel Fultz, who you know probably should be a bigger story than he is, but again, you're 14 and 18, and you're playing in Orlando. Yeah, uh, as for Isaacs in particular, um, you know, I definitely don't know as much as I would like to know. I think without uh, without my good friend Hugh Smith's constant um, pumping up of him in our in our group chat, I would probably <laughs> have no real idea that that, Jonas, that, that Isaacs is doing what he's doing. Um, it, it's these young guys that kind of not exactly come out of nowhere, but these young guys who really overachieve in their first few seasons that really catch my eye, I think. Um, so it's, it's very cool that he's doing what he's doing. Um, as for the magic themselves, I definitely don't know nearly as much as I would like. Um, you know, the Pistons played them a, a few weeks ago, but even there, they were just, they're injury battered. And um, I think they'd come off of back to back and they just had like no healthy players, I think. And uh, so my few experiences, like actually having watched them, um, I don't think we're really particularly indicative of the whole, uh, I do want to know more about Markel Fultz and what he's been doing, though. So if you could tell me about that, that would be great. He's he's been fascinating, Duncan. It's been it's been a joy doing this podcast and talking to people from around the league, uh, and specifically people like Kyle Newbeck in Philadelphia and some of the people who have covered him, because literally everybody is rooting for the guy. Like Josh wrote a really good piece after they were in New Orleans. Um, JJ Redick like went out of his way, almost got on the Magic's bus after the game because he missed him in the locker room and wanted to make sure he talked to him and then almost got choked up when he was talking to Josh for the piece about how much he's pulling for Markel. And this isn't just because people felt like the media and the fans in Philadelphia were overly harsh. Um, Anybody who's talked to him are like, this is a really, really good kid, and he's really bright. And he, you know, he took everything that happened to him in Philadelphia in stride. Um, I do think, in a lot of ways, Orlando's the perfect place for him because he probably did need to get away from some of that spotlight, get away from some of those expectations, um, and get be put into a situation where he can just really focus on basketball. And give a lot of credit to Jeff Weltman and John Hammond for allowing that to be the case. They didn't shelter him necessarily. I mean, they held a whole special media opportunity. Um, before the start of training camp, just for people to talk to Markel. So, you know, they've they've kind of um, built a partnership with him. Like, we're going to let you focus on, on basketball, and we're going to do everything right by you. And you don't need to worry about Jason Tatum and what he's doing and whether or not the Sixers fans uh, are expecting anything more of you. And, and you don't need to worry about thoracic outlet syndrome. You just got to work through it and go out there and do what it is uh, we know you're capable of doing. And, you know, early on this year, you certainly see flashes. Like, he's so shifty, Duncan. Um, y- you see why he was the top pick, but he's still a work in progress. He's still working through his his first full season as an NBA point guard. Um, one thing that I love about him is late in games, 
you know, he turns it on. And it's not necessarily, I shouldn't say turn it on. He just rises to the challenge. Like, he wants that opportunity late in game. So it's been fun. He's got a ways to go, of course. But um, just seeing him out there and kind of checking those boxes, like first game back in Philadelphia, check. Um, you know, first game, first good game, first bad game. Uh, we're moving on from it. And, and so it's, it's good. He's in a good place right now, and, and certainly the future is really bright for him. Um, this Magic team's been interesting. They have been decimated by injuries, like you said, um, and there's a lot of young, really good talent here. I think probably Isaac and Fultz are are kind of, you know, what you're looking for as, as the future of the franchise. But, um, you know, they finished last year. They, they upset the, the Raptors in uh, the first game of the playoffs, and then they got bounced pretty quickly. But they brought everybody back from last year, you know, kind of hoping they'd be able to, to maintain some continuity. And it's been a struggle so far this year. Perimeter shooting has really been a bugaboo so far for this team. Um, but as you know, Duncan, like Steve Clifford is going to have his team prepared night in and night out. A lot of Stan in him. I listen to his postgame pressers. I hear some of the Stan mannerisms, uh, Stanerisms as I like to call them. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it, it's, been a, it's been enjoyable to cover them. And, um, and Stan's always right around the corner if I ever want to talk to him. So that's good as well. That's awesome. I, we talked about this yesterday, but it was really cool that Stan's still around too. Yeah, in some, in some capacity, at the very least. No, it's fun. Um, it was uh, we we caught up with him a couple weeks ago, and it was it's always good to hear his voice, of course. And uh, I don't know if everybody in Detroit feels that way, but that uh, is what it is. Uh, when you look around the league, Duncan, I mean, Milwaukee is so good. I mean, <laughs> I watched them on I watched them on Saturday night and. You know, I and we knew going into that game, Giannis wasn't going to play, and we were like, it's still going to be an uphill struggle because you, you don't become a top two team in everything across the league just because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're just built so smart, and they're so big, physical, and they play fast. Um, I think they're my favorite, certainly to come out of the Eastern Conference. I think they're my title favorite as well right now. I guess the Lakers have a little bit more star power, and, and you never know what's going to happen in the West. There's so many good teams out there. But uh, if, if you had to handicap it right now, who's playing in the finals? Who's winning it? I think it's Bucks and uh, L.A. <laughs> um, <laughs> L.A. fill in the blanks? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the Bucks. The Bucks take it down against either team. If they're healthy, I don't think that they get stopped this time. They're just so good, man. They do everything so well. They do. Exactly. Like, they do everything really, really well. And Stan used to always tell us, like, just find the team that's top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency, uh, and, uh, you know, it, and I'll find you a team that can win a championship. I mean, that team is top two in both of those categories. It's crazy. Um, what do you make of the Lakers though? Like obviously they came out to they, they got out to a really hot start. They've got the star power. I think defensively they have the capability to go toe to toe with anybody, including the Clippers and the Bucks. Um, I would be a little bit nervous about burnout with that group, and I'm anxious to see if they make any sort of move moving forward. But um, a lot of people thought it was going to take a while for those two guys to get rolling, and it didn't. They've been outstanding so far. Yeah, you know I think whenever. Last year was obviously LeBron's first year in L.A., but whenever historically he reintegrates into a team, uh, which I guess we could really consider the LeBron and AD pairing to be a new team, sure. um, there does seem to be uh, like a slow start, you know, like a getting-to-know-you period before they really start turning it on. And, uh, yeah, they, they did not have that whatsoever this year. It seemed as though they were really out to prove a point. Uh, I think that... I think they had a lot of home games, and I know they had sort of like a, an easier schedule to start. But at the same time, um, 
you can only beat the, the teams they put in front of you. And uh, boy, did they! Um, I think they've they've had a little slowdown in the last few games, but I think that matters less probably. Um, you know, they've, they're also battling some injuries, and I don't think LeBron's been uh, quite himself for a little while um, due to health concerns. So, you know, I think that if they stay healthy, they're going to be they're going to be really tough to tough to handle um, for the Clippers, for whoever else can stack up against them in the in the West. Um, but they uh, they are definitely, um, if not like a super team, like a super team of light. I think right now. Right down to like the top heaviness of the of their roster, I'd say. Right, um, we're talking to Duncan Smith here. It's Magic Weekly. What do you what do you make of the trade season as it heats up here? Is it? I've heard some people say it's going to be quiet. I never expect it to be particularly quiet. Um, but there's so many interesting teams, and you know, I look at the Indiana Pacers for instance, and that's a team that I think could probably be playing in the conference championship, uh, the conference finals. You know, if they get Vic back and everything keeps going and trending in the right direction, um, the East feels like it's Milwaukee and everybody else. But you know, we mentioned the Heat. I think the Sixers probably um, potentially could make some moves. Uh, it, it, it's going to be an interesting trade season. There aren't, I, I guess, those um, you know, two or three guys that everybody knows are going to be dealt. But it feels like it's pretty wide open for a, a handful of teams to say, you know, what we may be able to do something special this year. Let's go for it. Yeah, I heard a point recently, uh, might have been yesterday, I think, on Twitter, that um, you know, free agency next year is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Free agency two years from now is going to suck for everybody, but like the two or three teams that basically win the lottery and they, they get, you know, Giannis and whatever other uh, top tier stars. So, you know, for the next two years at least, uh, free agency is only going to really benefit a very small group of teams and. The way around that is to have a very active trade season. So, yeah, I, I think that the original wisdom was that there aren't going to be a lot of trades. Um, but I think that uh, – I don't think that's going to be correct. I think that we're, we're probably going to have a more active than expected uh, trade season. Um, you know, practically nobody – almost nobody even has any cap space um, next season, you know. So um, I, I really think that there's going to be – not like a shuffling of the deck like we saw last year, um, you know, at free agency and, and before that. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be some moves. Um, I, I definitely don't have any kind of a feel or a vibe for who's going to be making those moves necessarily. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be more active than expected. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, give me your insight on whether or not the Detroit Pistons will be very active in the next six weeks or so. I don't think they will be. Um, really? I think, yeah, I, I don't especially think they will be. I think that um, you know contracts like uh, like Reggie Jackson's will simply be allowed to expire. Um, I don't really think that uh, I don't think the teams are going to be interested in sending out the kind of salary that um, it would bring a contract like his uh, for the expiring qualities. Um, I think there is an out- outside chance that Drummond might get traded uh, simply because of the uncertainty regarding his uh, his player option. Um, but I think that's an outside chance. I definitely wouldn't say that's like a highly likely scenario. Um, yeah, I I don't think that they're going to be making many significant moves uh, just because like the significant move guys, um, I think are still maybe a bit on the overpaid side. Uh, so it's just going to be hard to get real value back. 
Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, all right, last question. Uh, should you post up Christoph Sprzingis more? Nope, joking. Do not answer that question. He's Duncan <laughs> Smith. Duncan take care of that one for me. <laughs> it's Duncan Smith. At, my favorite Duncan. At Duncan Smith, NBA. Uh, Pistons for Forbes. Uh, the league at large for, bas- for the basketball writers. And uh, Miami Heat uh, for all you can heat for fansided. Thanks, Doc. Always a pleasure. Be well. Happy New Year. We'll talk soon, okay? Anytime, bro. Thank you. All right, there he is, Duncan Smith. Jake Chapman here with you. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast, available wherever your podcasts are available. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Jake Chapman OM. Make sure you follow Duncan as well, at Duncan Smith NBA. Back next week, and we'll talk to you then.